Uh, good morning, everybody. It's uh, great to be with you. It's such an honor to get to like share with you. It's, a, it's an honor to be able, it's an awesome privilege to be able to open God's Word. It's really the greatest honor in life that God would allow any of us to read His Word, to open His Word. And this morning, I was really... I was really drawn into what we could share on this morning. It's, a, it's been a battle. Sometimes it comes easy. Sometimes you kind of have to really press in. And two weeks ago, Kerry preached a message called The Same God, which was amazing. And if you missed it, you can check it out online at New Life Presswick on Facebook or YouTube. And then last week, Pastor Jim preached a message called Still The Same God. And this week, I thought maybe I'll need to preach on Even Still The Same God. <laughs> Or forever and always will be the same God, so it kind of draws a line in the sand so we can move on. But actually, I was really, didn't really know what to share on, so I went to our Bible readings today, and it was Micah, nothing came from that. And then, but we've just read the story of Jonah, and so this morning, it might be a little bit ambitious of me, but there might be large parts of the morning when I'm going to be reading through the story of Jonah. Because it's four chapters of the Bible, but really three of the chapters are only 10 verses, and one's 17, so we may do quite a bit of reading. But I was going to call the message, Journeying with Jonah, and I thought, that's a bit naff, let's be honest. It's like, surely I could do something better, and Gary was teasing me, because he says, like, your dad's better at you, coming up with preach titles. And I was like, well, he just ripped off Kerry's one, to be honest, and so I was torn, that really got to me, and yesterday we were at a thing called... um, Tideline and it was a one day conference festival and it was great and I really was like, I had kind of what I wanted to say I guess, God had kind of shown me that but I didn't really have a title and really as we were worshipping we sang an old song that's for me probably the greatest song of modern day worship songs ever written and you can disagree with me, that's fine, it's a subjective truth but my message the title is simply called How Great Is Our God? Why do I say that? Because one, not just it's a great song, but I felt like in that, in worship yesterday when I was thinking about Jonah, the greatness of our God is revealed in every single chapter of Jonah. Technically, it's revealed in every single part of the Bible, but really in Jonah's story, he reveals so many different aspects of himself, and I just thought that's what I'm going to call the message, really. But I just want to start by reading Jonah chapter 1, and it says this. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, or Nineveh, depending on your preference. But announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. And thus the game hide and seek was born. But he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Cluedo was born apparently as well. But why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work and which country are you from? What is your nationality? And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. 
The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were all struck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. This story's absolutely mental. <laughs> like, can we just agree, if we look at this story literally, at nowhere do I find really in this story, maybe he did and they've just not recorded it, but nowhere do I find in this story where God speaks, apart from when he tells Jonah, go to Nineveh. But Jonah's like, well, throw me in the sea. God, like, What? God, like God didn't tell Jonah to say, but there's just something mental about this story. But I was thinking about this for a while, and I just think, how great is our God that God has got a plan for your life? God had a plan for Jonah's life in this story, and God has got a plan for your life. God has a calling for you. He has places that he wants you to go and things that he wants you to do. And the Bible says in Ephesians, it words it this way, that God prepared good works in advance that you might walk in them. God has got a plan for your life. But the problem is so often we can hear what God wants us to do and we decide we don't want to do that and so we end up going in a totally opposite direction. Because we also can sometimes have a plan for our own life. But the thing about this story I notice is that the more I walk in the opposite direction of God's light plan for my life, the more chaos and storms I face. Because God used the storm, but you'll see clearly Jonah says, this was my fault. I caused this. My disobedience to God is what caused the storm. And it nearly wrecked the ship. There was nearly some collateral damage in this story because Jonah decided, I am not going to do what God says. I'm going to live a life of disobedience instead of obedience. But the beautiful thing about the story is that Jonah recognizes, thankfully, before it's too late, that actually I'm walking this way and I, I can't actually escape the plan and call that God has got on my life. And so Jonah, in a moment of realization and when he wakes up from his slumber, his laziness, his disobedience, recognizes actually I'm the problem here. Something needs to change in me and he turns back towards God. And what happens is that, I mean, I'd never really realized this story, but actually by turning back to God, Jonah, who ends up in a place he was never supposed to be, he was never supposed to be on this boat. Yet how great is my God is that when Jonah just turns, even the mess that he'd created, the storm he created, God somehow uses that to save an entire ship of men who Jonah should never have interacted with. But they turn to our God and say, well, actually, God, we're going to serve you. We're going to worship you. We're going to... So actually, more people end up 
I don't want, this might sound like wrong theologically, but if it's wrong, Pastor Jim can fix it. But actually, more people, <laughs> the beauty of this story and how great my God is, that even when I go down a path of disobedience, which I should never have went down, the story of this message is not go the wrong way because God can fix everything. That's not the point. <laughs> but God used the mess that Jonah created in the storm to bring even more glory and people to him. Those men became Christians or got saved in relationship with God. Why? Because God is so great and so powerful that even when you mess up, even when you get it wrong, when you come to him, he is so powerful and so gracious and so merciful that he turns everything around. Why? Because that's just who he is. Don't make a mess because in the Bible it talks, clearly Jonah missed the part where Samuel says to Saul, obedience is greater than sacrifice. You should have just obeyed me in the first place. But actually, my God is so great that though he's got a plan for my life, even when I mess it up, God can still turn everything around because that is how great my God is. So God has got a plan for your life just like he had a plan for Jonah. And even if you walk away in disobedience, God can still redeem that somehow in his miraculous power. But it starts with us turning around and saying, God, it was my fault. I got it wrong, God, I'm sorry. And what's also incredible is that God had already arranged for the fish to pick Jonah up. So God has got a plan for your life and God will be responsible for getting you to the place that he wants you to go. It's not about your strength. It's not about your ability. But I mean, I don't really love the sea, to be honest. So I would never like to go on the Jonah journey. But the reality is God has got a plan for your life and he will get you where he needs to get you to don't worry about that. Don't try and make it happen in your own strength. Just relax and trust in him. Why? Because he's already arranged it. But when we try and do it our way, it'll take us longer to get there and you'll have to end up in a fish. I don't know what the fish will look like for you because it probably won't be a big fish like Jonah. But there'll be something in your life that God will use to maneuver you to where he needs you to go. Then we get to Jonah chapter two. Jonah is now in a fish, not a whale. We were lied to and rise, guys, I hope we now don't teach that it was a whale, because I hope we now teach it's a big fish. May well have been a whale, but who knows? It says a big fish. But then it says this, but then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waters, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, you snatched me from the jaws of death as my life was slipping away. I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill my, all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. It's incredible because actually no matter where we go, God hears our cry. There is nowhere you can go, there's no mess you can find yourself in where God will not hear your cry. 
There's no mess that's too powerful for our God. There's no problem or no issue that's too big for our God. You see, Jonah couldn't get himself out of the mess that he created. Only God could. And I, I don't know about you, like I said, God will use whatever it is. For me, I remember being in fifth year at school and it came to exam season. This was my fish moment. Because I had a plan for my life. And I've shared this story many times. And I remember being in Austria on a missions trip. I broke my ankle, so I was going to play that up in my sympathy moments. And, uh, cause, but my exam results came out, and I was in Austria, and there was a debate of whether I should wait to get home and open them myself, or should I get my parents back home to open my results and then communicate the message to me. And um, turns out we didn't need a phone, because I could hear my parents shouting at me from all across Europe. Because I had wisdom to open my exam results and I flunked. I did not do well. And it wasn't so much that I had to communicate. My parents weren't annoyed that I failed. They were annoyed that I told them, the exams were fine. I'm going to pass them all. And then I didn't. When clearly it wasn't the failure of the exam. It was the, why did you not put the work in in the first place? That's what the, so they were quite righteously annoyed at me. But I remember being in this mess. Because I had a plan for, I was going this way. Because I had a plan. I was going to go to Stirling Uni. I was going to, my life was sorted. I'd been to the campus. This was, this was the dream. This was my plan for my life. And God, cool. You're with me. It's fine. But I remember being so distraught and so broken. I literally don't think, I'm not really that emotional a person, but I remember crying and crying, partly because I was probably scared of my parents, but also. <laughs> but this dream I had, this plan, as like a 16, 17-year-old kid. I was just like, this is my plan for my life, and now it's all fall apart, and it's all my fault can't blame anyone else it was me and I remember just being so distraught and I was like God what am I supposed to do now my life is it sounds dramatic but I was like my life I don't know what I'm going to do I don't know who I am this was my plan this, I had it all figured out and I remember my friend had shared Romans 8 28 this was the moment it became my verse and nobody else can have it verse just kidding I'll let you borrow it but it was, for God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But I remember being in the, not the literal fish, but this vehicle. And I look back on my life now, like Jonah probably reflected years later, and I recognize that actually, even in my mess up, my mistake, which was all my fault, God heard the cry of my heart. God heard, and he answered me. And I've been on a journey ever since, walking with Jesus to say, well, God, I am, like, I didn't, my life didn't go the way I wanted it to. But actually, now I'm walking in the direction that God, you have. I'm now walking in the good works that God had in advance for me. And I look back at my life and think, how different would it have been? I would have probably never married my amazing weather, my amazing weather, <laughs> my amazing wife, Heather, that sounded wrong. I probably would have never became an accredited pastor with AOG. I would probably not even be in this church if my plan had went. But God had a plan for my life and he's got a plan for your life. So even in the depths where you're like, God, I just need to cry out because my salvation, my hope, everything only comes from you. God hears us and he takes you to the place where he wants you to go. So I don't know what it is for you, but there will be things that we get wrong in life, but God can use that. And he works it all out for good. Our responsibility is to love him. And he does everything else. Just love him and love him and love him and obey him. And he'll work everything out. And one day you'll look back on life and be like, look what God did. I remember being that broken, messed up person in the belly of a whale. And take a, well I was going to sing, take a look at me now. But I'm not going to sing that. I won't sing that. 
But then we find Jonah chapter 3, and this is the key crux, and I know there's a chapter 4, but the key crux, I'm going to read it, and then there's just something from it I really think is relevant to us. But it says this, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim it to... Proclaim to it, sorry, the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah got up and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the law. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk and he cried out and said, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed in God and they called a fast and put on sackcloth. From the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, removed his robe from himself, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the dust. And he issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by decree of the king and his nobles, no person, animal, herd, or flock is to taste anything. They are not to eat or drink, but every person and animal must be covered with sackcloth, and people are to call on God vehemently, and they are to turn each one from his evil way, from the violence which is in their hands, and who knows? God may turn and relent, turn from his burning anger so that he, we will not perish. And when God saw their deeds, that they turned from their evil way, then God relented of the disaster which he had declared he would bring on them. So he did not do it. How great is our God? Jonah not Jonah, God cares about the Jonah and he cares about the city of Nineveh. It's not an either or with God. You see, you might have messed up in life, but God, the word of God can come to you a second time, a third time, a fourth time, and it will keep on coming. Why? Because the Bible talks about it. The call of God is irrevocable. He never stops calling you. No matter what mistakes you made, he has got a plan and a call for your life. But the day that everything changes is when Jonah, or you, decide, you know what? I've had enough of running away. It's time for me to get up and just do what God told me to do. And actually, the amazingness is our God, I'm not a patient person at all. But God is so infinitely patient that he will wait for as long as it takes for you to get her acting. Or for me, I mean, this is for me too to just get up. We've sang about get up my soul. Well, sometimes it's just a case of, well, I need to just get up, dust myself off, stop making a mess, and just do what God asked me to do. I'm not saying it's very easy. It's simple, because God generally just tells you what to do, and you just have to follow it. It doesn't make it easy. Everything, as we're going to find out from Jonah. But who knows? Jonah was one person. But because one person in this story just got up, despite all his failures and his mistakes, done what God said to do, an entire city. The next chapter talks about 120,000 people in that city. Turn away from their evil ways and they come to God. Because one person just done what God asked them to do and that blows my mind. Because He's still the same God that saved Nineveh. Is still the same God who can save your town, who can save your city, who can save your nation. Why? Because God is all-powerful, all-conquering. We've sang about Jesus all morning. But God is just looking for one person, and there's more than one of us in here. 
Now, I'm not saying that God's going to say, go to the city and everyone's going to get saved, because we all have to do what our one thing is. But I guarantee you that, it's, I can show you in the Bible, when you do the thing that God asks you to do, it is impossible for God not to move, because that's what he does. And as you take every step you take towards doing what he says, God moves. People will look at your life and recognize there's something. I'm going to listen to what they said. Why? Because they walk differently to everyone else. And I want to know what it is. And the reality is that it's Jesus. It's not of our strength. We're just doing what he asked. And what I love about our God and how great he is, that when the message comes to the people of Nineveh, it's not just for a certain chosen group. It's for the entire city, the rich, the poor, the smart, the dumb, the, like, the oldest, the youngest. It's for every single person. It doesn't matter what you are, who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done or what social class you have. It's for everyone. Our God comes to save all that is lost. It doesn't just come for people who like me or people who look like me or the people that I like. Thank goodness for that. Because if he only came for the people that you like, there's a good chance maybe I wouldn't get in. I'm just <laughs> but our God comes for all. He is not satisfied until every single person in the city, in the town, in the nation, on the planet. And the Bible says that we are all sinners, short of God's standards. So it can be easy as Christians to read this story and think that we're just Jonah. But actually there was a day when I was just like the people of Nineveh. Where I lived my own life, I lived in my own evil ways. And, but, and God's anger burned towards me. God was righteously angry at me, but there was a day when one person, and his name was Jesus, stepped onto the scene. And actually, God, the Bible says that God changed his mind in this story. And actually, God's anger burned towards you and towards me. Why? Because we fell short of his standards. But thankfully, there was a day when Jesus walked onto the scene. And on planet Earth, he lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. And the Bible says that it wasn't just because he was God, because he faced every temptation that we had. It was empowered by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus, God came and Jesus said, Do you know what? Here I am, God. Punish me instead. Just like Jonah went to Nineveh, God, Jesus came to planet Earth. And the Bible, it's not in the Bible, but basically God changed his mind and instead of punishing you, he punished Jesus, who didn't deserve it. But because he punished Jesus, we can now come into relationship with him. That I'm destined not just for heaven, but actually even life on earth. I can live with an intimacy with the Father that I could have never had before, but because Jesus stepped in, God was able to change his mind about punishing you and me. Why? Because this Jesus is everything. And that's just how great our God is. And it's why in the second, the bridge of that song, we can then sing, he's the name above all names. Because Jesus stepped onto the scene, the Bible goes on to say, because he done all of these things, God has now given him the name that is above every name. That there is no name on earth, or it actually goes on to say there's nothing in heaven, nothing in earth, unseen, seen. There is nothing anywhere ever that can compare to the power that is in the name of Jesus. And all we had to do... All the people of Nineveh had to do was just turn from their evil ways and come to God and say, God, we're sorry. And the beauty of it is, this story, it's just so crazy. The king of Nineveh says, who knows? Just maybe there's a chance God might just spare us. 
but I don't have to have a, in the modern world today because of Jesus, I don't have to have a who knows. Because I know for certain, I have a sure and certain hope. I don't have a who knows, maybe God might save me. I know that he will and he does and he already has. He's redeemed me from the pit. We've sang about it this morning. And he has the same love that beats for you. But then we get to Jonah chapter four and the worship team can come up as I'm almost closing. Because then God really gets to the heart of Jonah. Because we've found Jonah, at first he's running away from God and he turns around and he starts walking towards what God has for him and I pray that that's what we will do if we need to. We then find Jonah cries out to God and says, save me God, you're the only one who can help me and he does. We've then found Jonah's walking and in the physical he does everything that God asks for him which is great but then we can really get to the heart of things with Jonah because God is not content with you just obeying him. That's a big part of it. But God wants to redeem every part of you including the heart. And so we find Jonah chapter 4, he says, but it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He is the worst evangelist ever, 120,000 people, plus people on a boat get saved, and Jonah's raging. <laughs> it's, it's in the Bible, he's so angry. Well, he's actually the best, because people get, but you know what I mean. But then it says, then he prayed to the Lord, and he said, please, Lord, was this not what I said you would do when I was still in my own country, in my safe place? Therefore, in anticipation of this, I fled to Tarshish, since I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in mercy, and the one who relents of disaster. So now, Lord, please take my life from me, from me for death is better to me than life. But the Lord said, do you have a good reason to be angry? Then Jonah left the city and sat down east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord designated a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to relieve him of his discomfort. And Jonah was overjoyed about the plant. But God designed a worm when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. And when the sun came up, God designated a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint. And he begged with all his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. But God said to Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to the point of death. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work, you did not cause it to grow, which came up overnight and then perished overnight. Should I, this is God speaking, not also have compassion on Nineveh, the great city, in which there were more than 120,000 people who don't know the difference between their right hand and their left, as well as many animals. See, God is really dealing with Jonah to realize, Jonah, it's not about you. Your life is not about you, Jonah. And I, I'll be honest, I can laugh at Jonah, but I would be annoyed at Jonah too. I'd be annoyed at God too. Because Jonah's pretty much saying, God, I knew that you'd make me look stupid by declaring this would happen and then you would change your mind because that's just what you do. Jonah's got more faith than any of us. Because Jonah knew before that God would actually turn it all around because that's what he does. And Jonah just didn't want to look stupid. 
And Jonah didn't want those people to get saved. Why? Because Jonah didn't like them. And God is using this illustration to teach Jonah that you can care about things that are so not important. Meanwhile, he's obsessed and upset about the things that really matter. See, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, which means includes every single person on planet Earth. And as I was reading this and preparing, I was like, God, I'm sorry for all the times when I've got annoyed about stuff that doesn't matter. Amen. And it's not that they don't matter. I'm not saying things aren't important, but actually, when was the last time that I really wept over the people in my town in my city? When was the last time I looked out to a world that's so broken, that is so desperate for the good news that Jesus offers that it just moved me to weeping? The Bible talks about Jesus as he entered his city of Jerusalem and says Jesus wept over Jerusalem because God was right in their midst and they didn't recognize him. And it was just a challenge to me that I was reading this that I don't want to be a Jonah where people are coming to Jesus and I'm getting annoyed because God done it a different way and I looked a bit stupid. I don't want to argue or get upset about plants or Satan. I want to get upset because there are people who don't know Jesus. My mum this morning shared, it was just a throwaway comment. She says, isn't it great that we've got another day? There are people today who didn't wake up this morning. And it was a throwaway comment, but I thought some of those people won't know Jesus. But we have a responsibility to, to walk in what God calls us to walk in in order that he might be glorified and that people might come to know him. Tonight we are going to come up. And tonight is not so much it's the it's not so much of a an outreach or a church plan yet, but we are gonna go as a church, as new life, and we're gonna praise together. Yes. Why? Because just like God sent Jonah to Nineveh, we believe God is sending us to the town of Cumnock. And so we would love for you to come at 6 p.m. tonight, and we're just gonna praise as a church. Yes. Because we're gonna get to the telling people about Jesus part later, but we just believe that as we step into this town. Yes, Lord that we're going to weep over it. And it's not about weeping for the sake of weeping, but we are going to weep so that one day we're going to rejoice about the souls that are saved. I'm believing that if God can use one man in Jonah to save Nineveh with 120,000, God can use a church and a group of people to save the town of Cumnock. But it's not just about Cumnock. Actually, it's about every town and every city and every nation and every continent and everyone on planet Earth. We just get to play this small part that God calls us to. And I remember a picture came to my mind when I was thinking about how great is our God. And I remember the first time I heard the song. I'd heard the song on a CD, but I remember there was a thing called Frenzy. And it was basically a Christian one day festival that I don't know how they didn't go a little bit bankrupt earlier because the tickets were cheap and they had like everyone who's everyone in Christian music. Delirious, Hillsong United, Planet, they had everyone. But I remember Chris Tomlin came and everyone finished with a fast song. And he hadn't sang How Great Is Our God, if you don't know, he's the one who wrote it. And I remember there was about 10,000 people in this air hanger thing, and we're all just gathered, and it was amazing because there was people from all over Scotland, all over the world, like, there was every creed, race, colour, everyone together, in this, and it was amazing. But he says, we've got one last song. And I'm like, oh, what? He's going to sing a fast song, that's just what they do. And then he says, we basically got together, and we wrote this really simple song. 
And God's taken it and blessed it. And, and he just started and he sang, and how great. And it was like 10,000 people at once. We're just like, how great. I'm not gonna sing it because I'm out of key and playing a different, but I'm hoping the worship team will. And it was just, how great is our God? Sing with me how great is our God. And I had goosebumps as this teenager, like, and I was just weeping, and then the worship team left, but guess what? We all just kept singing, how great is our God. One, because it was a great song, but also because we were just in awe and adoration at how great is our God. And I'm believing for the day, the entire town of Cumnock would have fit in that air hanger. But I'm believing for the day when there are thousands and thousands of thousands of people and we're all going to be singing together how great is our God. And they'll come from... Why? Because ultimately Jonah's story is... Yeah, Jonah was great, but ultimately the whole story from the start to the end, from Jonah's story to the people on the ship to the people of Nineveh, it's all about how great is our God. My story is not really about me. It's about how great is my God. And my God is your God. And so we're just going to worship this amazing and great God. And my encouragement to you this morning, if nothing else, is to learn from Jonah. To walk and don't run away from what God calls you to, but actually walk in obedience with Him. But more than that, recognize that no matter where you are, cry out to Him because He hears your cry and He answers to rest in what God has for you because he will get you to where he needs to get you. You don't have to do it in your own strength. But ultimately remember that it's not about you and it's not about me, but ultimately it's about getting other people to see how great is our God. Amen. And so we're just, I'm just going to pray and then we're going to worship and sing, hopefully, how great is our God. <laughs> That's a relief. If not, we're singing it now. But thank you, God, for who you are. God, I just thank you that you are a great God. Father God, I thank you that you are the name that is above every name. And Father God, I thank you that just like the people of Nineveh, you changed your mind about us when Jesus died on a cross and you, you took our punishment and our shame so that we can be in relationship with you and just sing how great is our God. And I just pray as we step into Cumnock tonight, as we praise together, that it's just the start of the journey, but something begins to change that as we lift you up, that people will begin to see how great is our God. And that they will just begin singing the song of heaven about how great our God is, that he's the name above all names. But we just thank you and we give you all of the glory and we give you all of the honor for you are the only one who is worthy of it all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand if you're comfortable in the worship team?